Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast. Oh. oh. The, the horror. horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And you can reach anything about our podcasts, episodes, social media links, our email at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Sure can. How's it going, Jen? It's a going. Yeah? Yeah. How's it going with you? I'm doing good. Yeah? I'm doing really good. You feeling it? I hope so. I mean, you kind of have to. Yeah, we're up We're up to bat. We are. Put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to play <laughs> today. It's a good song. It is a good song. Creative director Dean is uh, out cold. Can Dean had a day. Dean did have a day today. He had a day. He yeah. spent it with Meemaw. He did. Yeah. And he was living the good life. Yeah. Went to the dog park. He did. There were many treats to be had. Caught up in his social uh, circles. Well, I mean, he does have duties that he has to fulfill. Yes. And we're not just talking about the number two duties. No. No, no. I hear there was a little bit of envy with cre- creative director Dean. He doesn't like to share. No, he's like, not, not really, even a little. He's not good with the sharing thing. Well, you know, not so much like you could pull his dish of food away from him. Yeah. You could do all that type of stuff. It's people. You could pull the toys, but if somebody gets our, near our proximity, and it's funny because like he doesn't growl. No. It's not mean, but no. it's a very like stern proclamation from him. Yeah. What are you doing? Me. <laughs> Did you hear somebody? Yeah, I did. Oh, it's right over there. Yeah. This is going to be... Wait! Yeah. I'm going to have to get some shades or something like that over there. Can we foam it? Maybe. That's the remaining of the foam. Yeah. Just put it right over the window. Why not? I don't open it. Exactly. It's a good point. Still, still dialing in the new studio. We're getting there. We are. We are. You know, we're noobs. We are noobs. <laughs> Never done anything like this before. Not even a little. And here we are at episode 17. I know. How about that? So, I'm out today. Mm-hmm. And I have this moment. Because I'm in, I'm in a consignment shop. Yeah. And there's people there with their items to be consigned. Mm-hmm. And one of the items is a Ouija board still sealed in the box. Like the box still has the plastic wrap on it. You didn't talk about this earlier. And I'm like, do I tell them, just throw it away. Just get rid of it. Mm. Like, no. All parts of no. Yeah. And I'm I'm stuck because I don't know if the woman standing right next to me is owner of said object. Yeah. Or what the whole story is, but just every part of me is going, no. 
So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think of like buying it and there was a like, moment where I was like, I'll buy that. I'm gonna take protective custody of this yes. this thing. Yes. There was a but then I was like, Well, I can't I can't bring it home. Mm-hmm. I can't bring it in the house. I'd have to throw it away. Yeah. And then who knows what happens if I throw it away. Yeah. Anybody could get it. So either way somebody gets it. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Well, somebody's going to get it at the consignment shop. Not necessarily. You think it's just going to sit there? If nobody buys it, what happens is they can be returned to the original owner mm-hmm. or they get donated. And I mean, you think maybe or, it'll. And if the donation place doesn't want it, they just throw it away. What was that show when we were kids? It was called Strange Things, where the stuff in the attic there. And each one would come out and have a story. Wasn't it something like Strange Things or something yeah, like that? I remember Amazing Stories. Oh, Amazing Stories was different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I don't that remember. That was the book. I don't remember That was Strange the book things. and the credits and that had the book. And yeah. Anyhow. Anywho. Episode 17. Yes. The Wendigo. Correct. Yeah. I will be honest. There was a lot less information than I thought. I thought there'd be more. Well, I went to the Canadian Encyclopedia.ca mm-hmm. and I went to an article by Steve Pitt. Mm-hmm. Oi. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, when we would do the other ones, mm-hmm. there just seemed to be a overwhelming amount and I'd have to edit a lot, pick, choose this over that. Well. This one, I didn't find as much. I'm not saying there was nothing, but... Buckle up, my friend, because well, the next couple, you're going to have the same situation. No, I know. Situation. I know. Yeah. But Some of these more obscure ones are dig- not even obscure. When you start getting into these less popular... Yeah. The less popular themes are extremely difficult. Yeah. It's yeah. very hard to find... Not only resources, but people who are interested enough in researching it in the first place. No, definitely, definitely, yeah. and and just the stories are different as well. They are, they are. And Even this, like the perception of a Wendigo, is pretty broad. Wow, it's not really nailed down and defined because we can get into that. You want to kick this off? I will. Okay. Um, and shout out to the Canadian Encyclopedia. Oy boy. Yeah. So let's start. And I'm going to be honest. There are two very popular spellings. Wendigo, W-E-N-D-I-G-O, and Windigo, W-I-N-D-I-G-O. And in Canada, it's Windigo. Yes. So... The Wendigo is a spiritual being of the Algonquin-speaking First Nations in North America. They are described as powerful monsters with an insatiable desire to feed on human flesh. Most legends have humans transform into Wendigos because of their greed or weakness. Mm -hmm. And many indigenous traditions consider the Wendigos dangerous because of their thirst for blood and their ability to affect otherwise healthy people, or communities with evil. Their tales are cautionary tales of isolation and selfishness, 
and the importance of community. So let's get to the definition. In the Algonquin oral tradition, a Wendigo is a cannibalistic monster that preys on the weak and socially disconnected. The most common version of a wen- of Wendigo lore is a human becomes a Wendigo after their spirit is corrupted by greed or weakened by extreme conditions. Cue extreme hunger, extreme cold, and other legends have a human becoming a Wendigo when they are possessed by a prowling spirit during a moment of weakness. I also noticed that it's not really always a, a beast. It's just a form. And the people keep their oh, their they're traits. So there's a lot of ways this is sliced yeah, up. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting. It really and is. Let's dive into it. Yeah. So, depending on the many First Nations that speak an Algonquin language, i.e., the Abenaki, Siksika, Mi'kmaq, Algonquin, Ojibwa, and Innu, the spelling and pronunciation of the word Wendigo differs. There's the Wendigo, W-E-N-D-I-G-O, Wheatigo, Windicauk, Wintsigo, Wittigo, and Witika are all are alternative versions of the same term. Other names such as Achen, Chenu, and Kiwak are also commonly used to refer to the Wendigo. So let's get to the appearance and characteristics. Just as there are different versions of the word, there are also different versions of the creature's appearances and powers. Sometimes they are described as exceptionally thin, uh, so thin sometimes that when they're turned in a profile, you can't see them. They're that thin. Yeah, You have to see them face on in order to be able to see it. With the skull and the skeleton pushing through its ash-colored, mummy-like skin. Other stories describe the Wendigo as a well-fleshed giant who gets proportionately larger the more it eats. Yet another version has the Wendigo sporting pointed or animal-like ears with antlers sprouting out of its head. The Wendigo's eyes have been described as sunken or glowing like hot coals, sharp pointed teeth, extremely bad breath, and foul body odor think the smell of decay are all commonly associated with the Wendigo. It is usually, but not always, endowed with powers, such as superhuman strength and stamina, which allows it to stalk, overpower, and devour its victims. They're usually credited with exceptional eyesight, hearing, and sense of smell, all typical of an apex predator. They can move with the speed of the wind and have the ability to walk across deep snow or even over water without sinking. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> I it's mean. A, it's a loaded card. It's a Jesus beast. <clears throat> I mean, seriously. In some legends, Wendigos can be killed with conventional weapons, such as a club or firearms. Others claim they can be subdued by having its icy heart cut out and melted in a roaring fire. And if that wasn't enough, others claim only a knowledgeable First Nations spiritual leader, think a shaman, can dispatch a Wendigo with a specific spell and ceremony. I read in some areas that it can't even be defeated. 
that basically once you are once it's been created once it's, it's created. been created it's been created but also once you're in its path you're done I mean, game set match essentially a lot of the lore and stories that mm-hmm. i was reading on the native american side mm-hmm. were basically that type of end result mm-hmm. and that conclusion is it's that not there's great. nothing you can do no. you're you're done there's nothing in the playbook mm-hmm. you know just sorry <laughs> well i'm trying to remember what the winchesters did because i know they came across actually the very first time i remember uh, the reference to a wendigo was from charmed <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so there's that diving deep into uh all of my things that i'm super not proud of <laughs> yeah yeah because i gotta tell you while i loved charmed at the time giving it a second go round oh what was i thinking it yeah it was not oh yeah 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 that's yeah. the things we do when we're young i guess but yeah there's definitely that physical form that you mentioned and what mm-hmm. i found really interesting is like the native american legends there's basically uh it's this function as a symbol for gluttony and the image of excess yeah i get the, into that yeah that whole idea of turning wendigo it's it's a basically a possibility when you're going towards a path of like self-destruction. Yes. Rather than literally becoming a monster in like a forest. Mm-hmm. That that was a lot of what I read and at least what I gravitated towards as I was researching this. Right. So let's get into the origin and the history. Yeah. So the Wendigo legend existed in Algonquin oral history for many centuries, long before the Europeans arrived in North America. However, the first European written account of a Wendigo was by Paul Lejeune, a Jesuit missionary who lived among the Algonquin people in the early 17th century in what is now Quebec. In a report to his superiors in Paris in 1636, Lejeune wrote, The devilish woman added that the Wendigo had eaten some Atikimekuken, These are the tribes that live north of the river that is called Three Rivers, and that he would eat a great many more of them if he were not called elsewhere. But that Echen, which is sort of a werewolf, would come in his place to devour them, even up to the French fort, that he would slaughter the French themselves. Lejeune's report demonstrates the 17th century Europeans believed in evil supernatural spirits just as strongly as their First Nations contemporaries. Father Lejeune's report predated the Salem witch trials by nearly 60 years. Missionaries in what became Canada continued to report legends of the Wendigo well into the 20th century. That's crazy. Right? Stories could also be found on the Western frontier in the 1800s among Plains indigenous peoples and employees of the Hudson's Bay Company, HBC, Some HBC traders' records describe encounters with indigenous spiritual leaders claiming to descend into fits of religious passion. Indigenous people often accuse those people of being Wendigos. HBC traders sometimes describe them as mad. In some instances, community members or relatives of the accused killed the suspected Wendigo as a precaution. In one example... Three men killed Cree spiritual leader 
Abi Shabbos, after he became greedy and killed an indigenous family, which led others to believe he had been a Wendigo. Yeah. So let's get into Wendigo psychoses. In the early 20th century, the term Wendigo found its way into the Western medical vocabulary. It was used by early psychiatrists to refer to a mental condition in which patients felt possessed by cannibalistic desires. Oblate missionary J.E. Sedan was the first to use the term in the 1920s while working in a Cree community in the western James Bay area. Could you imagine you go to see a doctor and you're expecting, like, the fever? You're expecting some sort of common thing for why you're feeling the way you are. Yeah. And they say, I'm sorry, but the diagnosis is you're... You have Wendigo psychoses? Yeah, and you're like, when to what? Yeah. And imagine it's not getting... consumption? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not just diarrhea? It's not just... I can't just, like, throw a leech on my forehead and yeah. call it a day? Can we just say it's bad jerky? Yeah, right. You know, something like that. Can we just drill a hole in my skull? Something. Something, but now let you know the evil things, and escape. then they proceed to explain this story. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine sitting in the chair and being like, "What the fuck?" So there, he met a woman who claimed she saw strangers who wanted to kill and devour her. Sandon referred to the woman's mental condition as a psychoneurosis, a mental or behavioral disorder characterized by depression and anxiety. Over time, the condition came to be known as Wendigo psychoses. However, whether this is a real affliction is still a highly disputed discussion among the medical community. Oh, I'm sure it is. I mean... This is definitely the table in the cafeteria that everyone's laughing at. Exactly. You know, that's that's the Wendigo table. Yes. (laughs) They think they're Wendigos. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the person... What? is a Wendigo. I mean... That's the one who has it. Right. So let's get into the symbolism and the meaning. Legends of the Wendigo reveal a great deal about the beliefs, way of life, social structures, and traditions of the people who tell the stories. For some, the Wendigo legends serve as reminders of the importance of community and, more importantly, about what can happen when individuals are left outside of the community. One recipe for creating a Wendigo, extreme hunger, cold, and isolation were ever-present and threatening facts of life for many First Nations people living in the northern boreal forest. In fact, most Wendigo stories begin with an individual or small group trapped in the wilderness without food for an extended period, alone and in the cold. Wendigos were rumored to kill lonely travelers or a member of a group and then take on their personality temporarily before eventually killing other humans it encountered. It's tough living back then. It's not great. You know, and that's where definitely I, when I was looking at this, the Native American legends seemed to really focus on, at least what I saw, that a known way to become a Wendigo is when a person reverts back to their natural cannibalistic ways. Yes. And they transform into... A feral creature. Yes. And that's where I really kind of believe that that bit of it. I think some things turn into a when separate story. When you're left and... to your own devices, 
in extreme conditions. Oh yeah. You are going to resort to a primal version of well, look at that uh that soccer survival. Look at that soccer team in the plane crash there, that movie, what was it, Alive? Yes. Was built you know, set on that? Well And that's a good good example of that. The Donner Party. Well, yeah. I mean Yeah, they probably hoist a trophy on something like that. I I don't know. (laughs) So similarly, a Wendigo's legendary greed represented attitudes about sharing in many indigenous cultures. In the wilderness, human survival depended on communal cooperation, the sharing of food and possessions, and any individual who refused to share local resources, especially in times of great deprivation, was considered a monster. And, I mean, it's not wrong. No, I think that would even be perceived today. Yeah. But I think then, I think the cooperation thing is a, is a deeper layer, though. I yeah. think people needed, you need normal, because if you get one wild thing going into play, it changes, it tips the scales like crazy. Correct. So say, for example, you and I go to the grocery store, mm-hmm. and we see somebody losing their mind there, mm-hmm. and just throwing shit around and mm-hmm. whatever. It's not really much of a cost to us. Correct. Because we can just come back the next day or 10 minutes later. Right. The display's like, back up. Bye. And you'd never even know that was ha- would happen if you were there. Right. You had to be there to see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and if you weren't there, you could easily have no idea, A, that it happened, and B, that if you did hear about it, you're just hearing it through this story, and it's not, it doesn't right. really have direct impact on you. Where if somebody lost their mind and was crazy in a small communal group like that, and say right, they destroyed, no escaping it. say they destroyed all the food or the week's food, mm-hmm. that's instant impact all over on in everyone. the group, yeah, on everybody, yeah. No, it's it's definitely a different. It's a different time, man. <laughs> it different is different time. It is so in popular culture. Unlike the mythological creatures that have been popularized in European culture for centuries, such as vampires and werewolves, cue our previous episodes, Western popular culture has only discovered the Wendigo relatively recently. However, there are many films, graphic novels, TV shows, I listed two, (laughs) and comics based on tales of the Wendigo. The creature has also inspired artworks by Norval Morisot, and literary works by Basil H. Johnston, Margaret Atwood, Thompson Highway, and Joseph Boyden. These new media add the diversity of the legend and to the ways that it is interpreted by the indigenous and non-indigenous peoples alike. Hmm. Yeah. So did you find anything shocking or amusing? Because <laughs> I actually did find a... um. Some things that I noticed, again, yeah, before we get to the stories that we're going to share, again, I really, I think this is one of those things that, like, the Native Americans had, like, this term Mm -hmm. for somebody just losing it and going back to their, you know, their their feral ways, so to speak, Mm -hmm. like, just basically animalistic. Mm -hmm. And then I think through time, you had these stories that would come through and, and evolve. Evolve, and it becomes this kind of folklore being. Mm-hmm. And Native Americans were very, indigenous people were very big on the spiritual 
a, a, a picture yes. associated with something. So it does create this perfect condition to create a Wendigo, you know, and maybe either have some exaggerations or just the picture in their mind of the fear seeing certain things or, and plus you just had to tell stories in a different way. Mm -hmm. We weren't writing down and everything. It was just talking back and forth. Mm -hmm. And it could have been just a conversation like, yeah, no, he acted like he, he acted like he had pointed ears and, you know, I'm just trying to like think of how these, I always try to think of how these things kind of spur up without being there. And the, uh, what was interesting that I saw was the vast majority of supposed Wendigo sightings happened between the 1800s and 1920s. That was like kind of like the big era, era between there. And few reports of the creature have surfaced since then. It's not saying that there's none. Right. But few. Yeah. It's not like this growing st- steamroller type of thing where it's just more and more and more and more. Even these uh, hikers out in the woods that talk about this type of stuff, they definitely explain, like, definitely like in the Canadian wilderness. And I think the most recent one I was reading, it was like 2019. The hiker was saying there was uh, these mysterious howls in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And the hiker was saying, I've heard many different animals in the wild, but nothing like this. Just very distinctive and and, and different. Well, I have to hand it to Canada. I mean, Mm. they are a hot spot for Wendigo, uh, Sasquatch, Bigfoot. Yeah. They're quartering the market on some pretty cool stuff. No, definitely. And like with the Wendigo, I also, another thing I read that was pretty interesting. uh, They were also saying that like, just because it uh, like say a survival scenario, cannibalism, Mm -hmm. the Lord doesn't really point towards that. It's a deeper thing. It is deeper. You know, it's not like say you and I are in the woods and the meals are getting a little tough and, and I look delectable. Right. You know, yeah. And, no. It's, and you're it's more me. than that. That isn't just Wendigo behavior. There's this whole psychosis that takes place. Yeah. And this transformation, and it describes basically this individual who just is overwhelmed by the need to it's act this certain way, and it gets and back greed. to the greed and gluttony and yeah, and all these other traits. So. And that moment of weakness. Yep. And so I have one fact. And then we can get to the stories. Oh, I found this fact, which is pretty cool. Me. The Wendigo actually brought us Wolverine from the Marvel comics. Really? Mm-hmm. My favorite. Yeah, yeah. Tell I th- me. I thought you'd like this. Tell me all about it. <laughs> so basically, for all the evil attributed to the Wendigo throughout history, it indirectly contributed to basically <laughs> keeping Hugh Jackman employed for a few decades. I mean, but uh, I, no, starting in the 70s, Marvel Comics co-opted the Wendigo legend and taking myth, uh, myths about a bone thin, you know, very thin forest demon and subtly sculpting them into this uh, comic book uh, villain, eight feet tall and just covered in muscle. And the Wendigo served as a Hulk antagonist at the time. And it was a man cursed with just primal hunger after committing an act of cannibalism in the Canadian wilderness. Mm-hmm. And it was during uh, a Hulk versus Wendigo uh, fight that uh, Wolverine makes his first appearance. What? Yeah, yeah. What episode is that? And can we get that comic? I'll have to get that. Uh, 
I'll have to get that information coming in. I I picked this up last minute when I saw it. I was like, oh, I have to include this. This is the most important thing that we've discussed on anything. Yeah, yep. And so basically they kind of rebranded the Wendigo towards Wolverine. So essentially they took the powers, the strength, Mm -hmm. and the speed, the, the hunting abilities. Yeah. And then they incorporated them into... And Wolverine... In the issue, managed to down the Wendigo without using any silver at all. I don't know the whole bit of it because I, I never read it. But, yeah, oh. basically the, the Wendigo is in the same universe as Iron Man. And, Who uh, knew? Yeah, yeah. The more you know. It should be cool if they kind of featured that. Well. In like a uh, old pre. Prequel? Pre, uh, pre, pre, prequel. Wolverine, but, <laughs> but now, you know, we're going to have to move quick on that because I don't want to get started on any kind of future with Wolverine. Cause I don't know. I think Wolverine dies with Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman. just like it's Iron Hugh. Man dies yeah. with Robert Downey. Jr. Yeah. Those are just massive shoes exactly. to fill that. I just, I, I, I give, will throat punch Hollywood if I, they even think for one second yeah. that they're going to mess with these things. Well, and they will. enough. No, they will. And and I just hope, like, I give credit to whatever actor that pursues that role that they can be in a good position to keep that story going strong. I just hope. Mm. Again, hope in one hand. Shit in the other. Shit in the other. See which one fills up faster. Yeah. And I mean, like, Spider-Man's a good example of that, where, like, to me, Spider-Man is just always Tobey Maguire. Yes. Always. It just will never change. I think he's the best Mm Spider-Man, even through all the the comics and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. or or the animated series Mm -hmm. and and whatnot. The newer, newish Spider-Man, not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. I've seen it. Not a favorite. But to me, just the Tobey Maguire stuff I, he just nailed peter parker perfectly he did and i think that's this will be the end of my tangent on superhero movies and and characters but i think the key to a good superhero character and the way the actor portrays it is they have to perfect the alter ego yes. better than the actual superhero superhero because yes. the alter ego is the human person yes the the frail the Agreed. the just yep. the the soft and and fragile mm-hmm. part of the the, the alter flawed ego person the yeah. flawed person and like Christopher Reeve for Superman was perfect for Clark Kent I think are we gonna talk about my favorite Batman I think Batman Michael Keaton played the best by far. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Ah! I mean, he just nailed he Bruce did. Wayne. Oh, and and again, so that's good. that's where it puts it. Where I think if you nail that alter ego, yes, it carries over. It carries over the whole thing because I will say this without a doubt: he wasn't the best Batman. <gasps> no, and I will say that. I know, but he but he's probably one of my favorite Batmans because he does Bruce Wayne so well, so well. Yeah, and that's where. Like Christian Bale, I just wasn't a fan of how he did Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Wayne. Mm-hmm. and and the other ones, you know. I know. 
and he who shall not be named. Yeah, and that's where Toby Maguire being Peter Parker. Yeah, like he just nailed Peter Parker. He really did. He was perfect with it. Yes. So, with that being said, we have some stories. We do. So I found a Reddit story. It's called uh, "No Sleep from North Coast 10. Title of it is "I Think I Encountered a Wendigo." Mm. So this is a direct. This is all a direct quote. I didn't change anything. Yeah. I took him at his word and to the letter. Mm-hmm. My wife and I have been running the rat race for years with a family, a house in the city, two dogs, a cat, the stereotypical American dream. But the city took its toll. The neighborhood got worse, the crime rose, and we found ourselves looking for a way out. Our opportunity came when I was offered a new job out of state. It was a great career move, but we didn't want to move to a new city just to have the same problems again. So we started looking and found a great mountain community about an hour and a half from the job, a great ranch-style house with a big back porch, windows everywhere, and a lot of property. The backyard has a big grassy area and a creek that cuts the property in half, then acres of wood beyond the creek. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's huge. The house is more than twice the size of our house in the city. It's all updated and has no neighbors within a mile. It's a radical change from the life we lived in the city. But best of all, it was less than half of what we were paying for our old house. The house was a foreclosure, and when we asked the listing agent about it, she simply said the old family had abandoned the property. Mm. We really didn't think anything of it. Classic story. Red flag, folks. Yeah, classic story. It's either haunted or there's some sort of weird something. Think black-eyed children, whatever. There's something going on there for someone to abandon the property. This is literally a cabin in the woods. Literally. Yeah. Well, it's a ranch in the woods. So the first three months were uneventful. With us settling into our new life, the kids getting used to the new school and new friends, and most of all, us getting used to the big house and property. But then the weather turned cold and things started to get weird on the property. It started with noises from the back property, things we chalked up to being in the woods. Then the motion lights around the house started going off randomly. Once again, we just chalked it up to being in the woods. But last night, it all changed. Last night was the most terrifying night of my life. One of the dogs was at the back door whining and scratching. I assumed he needed to go to the bathroom, so I grabbed my flashlight and walked out the back door. Instantly, something felt off. The dog bolted for the back property, growling and snarling. It was a cold night, about 30 degrees, but the dog plunged straight into the creek and out the other bank, running off into the woods in the back of the property. Flashlight bouncing, I ran after him, calling his name. I got to the creek and made my way across the makeshift bridge, trying desperately to follow him. I could hear the dog still growling and barking from somewhere up ahead, and I pushed further away from the safety of the house and deeper into the woods. That's when I heard it. A shriek like I've never heard before in my life. It was a mix of a moaning wail and metal on metal. It echoed through the trees and froze me in my tracks. My dog bounded its way back to me and cowered down behind me. 
I turned around and could just make out the warm glow of the house behind me and the cold dark ahead of me. I swung my flashlight around wildly, looking for the source of the noise, and that when I heard an even and that's when I heard an even more terrifying noise. Out of the cold silence, my wife's voice floated all around me. Babe, the voice called out. I whipped around and could just barely make out the image of my wife safely inside our house. The voice called out again. Babe, I'm right here, came the voice from deeper into the woods. Then another voice came, just as clear as the other. It was my dad's voice. Come out here, it called. I swung the flashlight around again, and this time it caught the briefest glint of light bouncing off of eyes. The creature was in my beam of light for barely a second, but it was tall, maybe six feet, and ashen white. It had long spindly fingers that grasped the trunk of a pine tree, and then it was gone. I turned back and ran toward the house. I ran headlong into the icy creek and stumbled. My dog ran past me, making it back to the yard and up to the porch. I dug my hands into the freezing, muddy bank and pulled myself out, not stopping to look back. When I reached the porch, I scrambled inside. My wife ran over to me, asking what had happened. I just shook my head. I'm not certain myself what happened. I had a growing sense of dread tonight as the sun began to fall. We kept the dogs inside, and I haven't dared to look out the back. But as I sit here typing, one by one, the motion lights in the backyard keep going on. Wow. Yeah. Probably still live there. Probably. I don't know. I'd like to think I'd leave. But then there's this other part of me that I think curiosity would just end up killing this cat. Maybe. I think so. Especially in the woods like that. Yeah. Like if you live in a village or something like that and you saw something, you'd be like, eh, you know what? I'm just going to leave. I think I would leave. You mean if you came across something like this in the village, you'd be more inclined to leave than if you were... In the woods. Say, staying in a cabin, cabin. or a camp yeah. in the woods, and you came across it. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I have, like, a safer feeling in the woods. Like he, If he's freaking out, yeah. if he goes after something, Creative and then all Director of a sudden... Creative Director Jermaine, Dean, you're pointing out. Yeah. Any dog. Yeah. Any, any animal that you have your attachment I mean, he to. He just went nuts from a noise next door. Yeah. So. And we're cool so, about okay, that. <laughs> he goes nuts. Yeah. He goes after something. So there's yeah. clearly something. There's something wrong. There's something yeah. amiss. And then once he gets close enough to it yeah, and he deciphers, whoa, man, all the hairs are up. Mm-hmm. And then he comes cowering back no, to I'd, you. I'd feed that. I'd feed off of that kind of language, you know. Now, here's where I would stay is if whatever was out there took him and, like, say, disposed of him i i would just it has to pay now i get that i wouldn't leave that john wick yeah oh he's my best friend yeah you know i couldn't i couldn't do that but yeah i don't know but also i don't know it's weird like with me i've been around the woods a long time and i just have this kind of safety in the woods like i just feel safe in the woods i don't know why like some people go nuts in the woods and they hear every little noise and but I'm I'm calm out there. It's other places where 
I just don't like, I'm always kind of looking around and you know, I'm, I'm more alert, but, but a noise in the woods, but I don't know. Cause that's the thing is in the woods, I've never heard a noise that like, I can't identify, like, identify or explain. Well, it's funny. And I mean, I've heard bears and I've been close to bears and I've been in some situations with that. And even when I worked out on the canal a long time ago as a laborer mm -hmm. and we'd go through these, uh, these farm fields to run like pipelines through, mm -hmm. I had a bull charge me. Mm -hmm. And I remember just a sense of calm when it was running towards me. For some reason, I just knew it wasn't going to hit me. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of it was is because the calves and like all the rest of the like where they were trying to get to, I was in between. Right. And I you knew were it right just away. Just in the way. I knew it right away. I was walking and I looked. I was in between. I was like, oh fuck. It's like there. getting between a mother bear and her cubs. Yeah. It's just like it's just mm -hmm. like oh fuck. Here we go. And you know, doing the kind of snarling around with the head back and forth and snorting. And I'm looking. I'm like, here we go. And the problem was is in a situation like that out there. We're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like the nearest hospitals easily like 45 minutes an hour away. We're mm -hmm. out in the country, mm -hmm. you know, dredging a canal. Yeah. And, and we're even 20, 30 minutes to the road just yeah. to leave. So yeah. if something happened to me, just the, the act of getting in there would be a crazy thing. And it's, it's funny because all that was going on and I'm reading that in my mind, all that's going on at the same time. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, if I get hit. I'm in for a real long time before I even get any kind of help. Mm -hmm. And this is all before it starts, you know, and then it just starts coming at me. But I just had this kind of calm and I just stood my ground and it went around me. I probably shat myself, but, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's weird. I, Yeah, I think it'd be weird hearing a different noise, though. That's like, you know, people talk about like the Bigfoots and Sasquatches and stuff like that with all the different noises. Because I'm going to tell you. Yeah. I come across something like that. Bye. Yeah, I don't know. It just, that'd be a weird, it's a slippery slope. That'd be a weird thing for me to experience and and have that. Like, especially if I saw tracks that just looked weird. Like, I don't know if I could just leave. I would have to, there'd be that whole thing in me that would just want to know. And I would be that stupid son of a bitch that I always talk about. Like, just turn around go back yeah. but i just be like oh but what are you doing hot on the trail you know i mean it just trail might not be here when we get back and all that you know i don't know but i have two stories one story is a uh wendigo specific and the other one's not but it was just a cool damn story and i had to, <laughs> I had to put it in but this one is basically it's a uh kind of like a scary story and i think it's called burning feet and it has a few different takes on the internet. I saw a couple of it. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to quote one specific one because there are three to four. Versions. I think there was like three to five versions or different takes of it. But uh, basically, it's a story of a man who hires a guide to take him hunting in the Canadian wilderness. On the snowy plains, they encounter this uh, horrifying creature from Native American legend. And this tale is based on a classic short story by... Algernon Blackwood called the Wendigo. Okay. And that's from the excerpt that I, yeah. I pulled from here. There's also, I believe a shorter version of the story and that appeared in uh, um, this book called scary stories to tell in the dark, which actually, Oh, we should do an episode on scary stories. Yeah. To tell Cause in there's the dark. actually this story is one of 
the, and I hate to say this, but it's one of the weaker stories of the book. Got it. I actually read a few of them and they were really, really good. Mm -hmm. So basically there's this wealthy man, he loves hunting and he goes to this, uh, he does this trip on a remote part of Northern Canada. And it's a, uh, just a desolate part of the country and few people really just never ventured this far north. And even fewer went there to, to hunt. He tra traveled to a trading post and he's looking for a guide. Mm -hmm. He asked around. Nobody he spoke would agree to take him. Mm -hmm. And they are all just saying, you know, it's too dangerous. So he got in touch with uh, a stocky Cajun man by the name of uh, Defago. D-E-F-A-G-O. I'm going with Defago. The man seemed to know a lot about trapping Indian lore and how to survive in the wilderness. And the hunter thought he would make a good guide. Mm -hmm. And Defago was badly in need of money and agreed to take the hunter out to the best hunting uh, grounds. So they set out together, paddling down the river in a small canoe. When they reached their destination, they set up camp near this large frozen lake. And basically, as far as they could see, the ground was covered in just this thick blanket of snow. And the hunter was just totally just enamored by the beauty and mm -hmm. just loved, uh, loved everything about it. So for three days, they hunted on the icy plains, and they had nothing to show for it. Luckily, Defago taught him how to break a hole in the ice and catch some fish. So they're eating fish. They're not, they're not going hungry. Uh, hunger, uh, the hunter was glad that he chose this guy for a guide, and he knew that the only thing that would ever lay between him and starvation was this guy. Mm -hmm. So the third night, a windstorm came up. They lay in their tent listening to the wind howling and the trees whipping back and forth. And to see the storm better, the hunter opens the tent flap. And what he saw startled him. There wasn't a breath of air stirring, and the trees were standing perfectly still, yet he could hear the wind howling. And the more he listened, the more it sounded as if it was calling Defago's name. It would go like Defago. And it just seemed, you know, mm -hmm. just doing, doing that whole repetition. And the hunter's thinking to himself, you know, I must be losing my mind. So he closes the tent flap, turns around, and he saw that Defago had gotten out of his sleeping bag and was huddled in the corner of his tent with his head buried in his arms. And the hunter's like, what's wrong? Defago's like, it's nothing. It's just the wind playing tricks on your ears. But the voice that carried on the wind continued to call his name. It sounded oddly seductive and just, just sweet and seductive, and Defago became more tense and nervous. And it just keeps going on, Defago. Defago over and over again. The Cajun man flew into a panic and jumped to his feet. His eyes were wild and he was trembling. He pulled back the flap of the tent and was about to get out. And the hunter grabbed him by the arm and he goes, where are you going? And uh, he goes, you can't meet, leave me here alone. How will I? And then suddenly he was interrupted by this tremendous roar of the wind coming across the lake. The trees overhead shook with the force of it and the campfire flickered and threatened to go out. There was this tremendous rushing noise as something just swept over the tent, almost lifting it off the ground. Mm -hmm. Defago was shaking with fear. All of a sudden, he broke loose and just fled from the tent. The hunter watched as his guide ran off and was swallowed up by the darkness. The hunter could hear him screaming as he went over and over. He cried, oh, my fiery feet, my burning feet of fire. Then his voice faded away into the night. 
and the wind calmed down. At the first sign of daylight, the hunter followed uh, Defago's tracks in the snow, and the trail led through the woods down toward like the lake and out into the ice. But soon he noticed something strange. The footprints had left. Uh, they just kept becoming longer and longer. Mm-hmm. And they were so long that no human being could have made them. Mm-hmm. And it was as if something had helped him to hurry away. The hunter followed the tracks out to the middle of the lake, and then they just disappeared. Nothing. And at first he thought Defago had fallen through the ice, but there wasn't a hole. Then he thought that something had pulled him off the ice into the sky, but that made no sense. Right. I don't know. Maybe the Mothman. I mean, stranger things have happened. (laughs) So as he stood wondering what happened, the wind picked up again. Soon it was howling as it did the night before. Then he heard Defago's voice again. It was coming from up above, and he was screaming, Oh, my fiery feet, my burning feet of fire, and there was just nothing to be seen. So the hunter wants to leave this place as fast as he could. Mm-hmm. He went back to camp and packed. Then he left uh, some food for Defago, just thinking, hey, if he comes back, yeah. he's all squared away. And he, he heads out. Weeks later, he reached the trading post and set about looking for Defago, thinking he's back there. Right. He asked around. None of the people have seen him. He told them what they witnessed. And no, you know, nobody could explain what had happened to Defago that night. It just right. becomes this mystery. One old man took him aside and whispered, could it have been the Wendigo? He's like, Wendigo? the hell's that? And they say, it comes with the wind, it calls your name, and it tries to trick you. Once it has you in its clutches, it drags you along at great speed till your feet are burned away. Then it drags you some more and burns away more of you than that. They say it carries you into the sky and it drops you. He's like, that's a story I heard as a child, but it's an old Indian legend. Who knows if it's true? Mm -hmm. So the following year, the hunter went back to the same area. He was buying supplies at the trading post again and asked about his old guide. And nobody's seen, heard anything of him. As night fell, the hunter was sitting by the campfire. The darkness brought forth a strange figure of a man. He came in and sat far from the fire where the light and shadows mingled. The man had a blanket wrapped around him and his hood was pulled down so low that his face was hidden in shadow. The hunter watched him for a while and thought there was something familiar about him. He goes, Defago, is that you? The stranger didn't answer. It is you, isn't it, Defago? No answer. The hunter began to wonder if something was wrong and if the man needed help, but he couldn't see his face. Are you all right, he asked. No answer. Defago, can you tell me what happened? Just a little so that I can help you. From beneath his hood, the stranger muttered something. His voice was low and breathless. I seen that great big Wendigo thing, he whispered. The hunter wanted to get a look at Defago. He still wasn't sure if it was really him. He reached out, tugs at the man's hood. The hood fell back and the blanket drops to the ground. The hunter screams in horror and there was nothing under the blanket but a pile of ashes. Mm. Crazy. Yeah. Really crazy. And then uh, my second story, I found this just in in the search of stories, mm-hmm. and it's just too crazy, way too crazy. And this is uh, actually a pretty documented story. This isn't something that was kind of passed around. You can find it on Wiki. They got a picture of the dude. Right. And this, like, really happened. It's called The Killing of Tom uh, McLean. 
At 8.45 p.m. on July 30th, 2008, Tom McLean, a carnival barker, <laughs> and you know now yeah. that's where it had me, carnival barker, because I just, anything about carnies, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, was returning home to Winnipeg after working at a fair in Edmonton. He departed Edmonton on board a Greyhound bus, uh, 1170 to Winnipeg, via the Yellowhead Highway through Saskatchewan. He sat at the rear, one row ahead of the toilet. At 6.55 p.m., the bus departed from a stop in Erickson, Manitoba, with a new passenger, Vince uh, Weigong Lee. Lee described as a tall man in his 40s with a shaved head and sunglasses, originally sat near the front of the bus, but moved to sit next to McLean following a scheduled rest stop. McLean barely acknowledged Lee, then fell asleep against the windowpane headphone cover in his ears. Typical bus ride. According to witnesses, McLean was sleeping with his headphones on when the man sitting next to him suddenly produced a large knife and began stabbing him in the neck and chest. After the attack began, the bus driver pulled to the side of the road and he and all the other passengers fled the vehicle. Yep. The driver and two other men made an attempt to rescue McLean but were chased away by Lee, who slashed at him from behind the locked bus doors. Lee ultimately decapitated McLean and displayed his severed head to those standing outside the bus. Yep. Then returned to McLean's body and began severing other parts and consuming some of his flesh. Mm-hmm. What a what a bus ride. I've heard this story. I I I I thought you might have, but it's just it's too too good to share. At 8:30 p.m., the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in uh, Portage La Prairie received a report of a stabbing on a Greyhound bus west of the city. They arrived to find the suspect still on board the bus, being prevented from escaping by another passenger, the bus driver, and a truck driver, who basically provided like a crowbar and hammer as weapons. The other passengers were huddled at the roadside, some of them crying and vomiting, and as the suspect had uh, earlier attempted to escape by driving the bus away, the driver had engaged the, uh, like it's like this emergency immobilizer system. Mm-hmm. And it just makes the vehicle completely inoperable. Mm-hmm. Witnesses had observed the suspect stabbing and cutting McLean's body and carrying his fucking head yeah. around. So by 9 p.m., police were in a standoff with the suspect and had summoned special negotiators and a heavy armed tactical unit. The suspect alternately paced the length of the bus and the defiled, you know, defiled corpse. Police officers then observed Lee eating parts of the body. Meanwhile, the stranded passengers were transported from the scene to be interviewed at the, uh, the Brandon uh, detachment. The officers reported hearing Lee say, I have to stay on the bus forever. So on June or uh, July 31st, 2008 next day at 1:30 a.m. the suspect uh suspect attempted to escape the bus by uh, breaking through a window they arrested lee soon afterwards he was shot with a taser twice handcuffed and placed in the back of a police cruiser parts of the victim's body placed in plastic bags were retrieved from the bus while his ear nose and tongue were found in lee's pockets the victim's eyes and a part of his heart were never recovered, and they're just presumed that it was eaten by Lee. Mm-hmm. At 10 a.m., 
Greyhound representatives took the other passengers to a local store to replace their clothes, which remained on the bus. They arrived in Winnipeg at 3.30 p.m. that day to be reunited with their family and friends. And the killing of Tim McLean occurred on the evening of July 30th, 2008. Uh, He's a 22-year-old Canadian man. He was stabbed, beheaded, cannibalized while riding the bus. And uh, his killer, Chinese-Canadian named Vince Lee, 40-year-old, was found not to be criminally responsible for the murder and was uh, remanded to a high-security mental health facility in Selkirk, Manitoba where he was detained uh, until his release, May 8th, 2015. Nice. Got released. Yeah. So, again. Were they going to try and say that his uh, reason for doing what he did was when to go psychosis? See, I I tried, you know, I was looking around at that type of stuff, and I, I, I couldn't find anything. But just, like, the story is just crazy. and I It is crazy. I found it basically searching through, like, cannibalism yeah. Things, you know, and this was a pretty, pretty famous story. And if those who haven't heard it, well, now you have. Yes. I My, think Dark Poutine did a. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Did an episode on it. The, uh, but this is where, it's where my just crazy head comes into play. Oh boy. Could you imagine you're working at Greyhound? You wake up in the morning like you did today. And you head off to work. But on your uniform. Yeah. Get behind the wheel. Get behind the wheel. It's another day. Another day driving the bus. grind. Doing that Winnipeg run. All aboard. Yep. Doing that Winnipeg run. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything's standard. And then this shit happens. Well, I mean, kudos to the bus driver. Oh, yeah. For thinking on the feet. Yeah, and making the bus inoperable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, I mean, I get that they were trying to get him off of McLean, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I I understand that they just had, like, whatever was at hand, crowbar. Mm -hmm. Crowbar and hammer from uh, from a truck driver. Yeah. So So it's not like they had that on the bus. No, the truck driver offered that, so they had everybody off at that point. Yeah, and I think what they were trying to do was basically contain him. Well, yeah, the police arrived. Yeah, which gets to this thing, and a coworker of mine and I were talking about this one day. Like, if you see something like that going on, what amazes me and amazes my coworker is how people just have a tendency to watch. My dad Mm -hmm. and I talk about this pretty often. Like, it's pretty weird. It's a weird thing because... There are people where they are standing in the vicinity of a mugging. Yeah. And and they're watching it happen. And it's like 15 people watching one person harass or beat up or, you know, do something. And you sit there and you say... And they do nothing. You sit there and you say, there's 15 of you. Yeah. Yeah. All fifteen of you. You could mean to tell me you care. can't overpower that one person? Yeah, that's a that's a weird thing that I notice about humanity. Just period. So it's really that, humanity. It you know? really does get down to it when left to their own devices. We look out for ourselves. Yeah, ninety nine percent of the oh, time. Oh no, that's all the time. You even see it with people with their jobs. Yeah, people will be risky when they have job security, but then all of a sudden, when job security kind of slips away. 
Yeah. Everybody just tightens right up and yep. they just care about themselves. Mm-hmm. And you really see that it's with a whole lot of selfishness. Like muggings and, and things like that. And it's not just at a particular part of the world or wherever. And I can see why a Wendigo story would be important, especially mm-hmm. if you're a community mm-hmm. and, you know, they're in a community in the middle of nowhere, yeah. essentially, yeah. you have to depend on each other. Yeah. That is not the time for selfishness. You, no, you no. 100% have to rely and depend on each other. You have to share resources. You have to share responsibilities. You have to share duties. And by saying, hey, if you don't, become or if you aren't participating in this community yeah you become a monster you are a monster and you are going to devolve to your basest instincts yeah and that's where a lot of these stories have the same thing in common where they're talking about it's a morality story well it it really deep down is a morality tale it yes. really is and it's a morality tale that when things get really tough mm-hmm. tight yeah you need to you come need, together even more. You need to come together even more yeah. and, and think of the group even more. Yes. And what I think the tale of the Wendigo really means to me, mm-hmm. just in, in reading a, about this and trying to just get as much as possible. And like I said, there's not a ton of it around. You know? I will say, and listening to the Scared to Death podcast, they yeah. have listener stories. And there have been a handful of stories. Most, I'd have to say the majority of them are all in Canada. Yeah, yeah. But the Wendigo lore and the Wendigo is still very much Oh, no, and I'm, I'm not saying that, but it's just, it's not... It's not like everywhere you turn, you can find a story. Right, Like, you yeah. got to hunt for these you, stories. You really do. You really got to hunt for them. And I think... From the Native American and indigenous people perspective, I think the more the tale of that story is to keep your shit together. Yeah. It's really yes. just to, to cut right through it and not get overly complicated with it. It's mm-hmm. just to keep your shit together. Because if things get tight, if things get tough and you lose it, that's contagious. Yes. And I think that's what they, that contagion part of the madness is what, they call the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. Again, being a very spiritual mm-hmm. group of, of people and, and having a lot of visual rep- representation into one's spirituality, I think that is really kind of the tale of the Wendigo. It's that contagion of desperation, that contagion of madness, yeah, and, and that rep- takes physical form. And it's really relevant in that. And like I said, it's just, it's really weird. I, it really, like these, these topics we do, it really just starts making me think about all these other things that aren't really directly connected, but they are. Mm-hmm. And it's like the mugging on the street that yeah. 10 people witness. Yes. And it really challenges the morality of people. Mm-hmm. Because if you were that person getting mugged, you'd be like, I just wish someone could make this stop. Yeah. That's Someone really, help me. If you're getting your yeah. ass kicked and yeah. you're really getting your ass handed to you, that's all you're saying is, I just want this to stop. You're not sitting yeah. there saying, I hope 
someone will come and help me and all that. Just please, God, make it stop. Make this stop. And what uh, what what gets me is just how people will watch. Yeah. And like the the shortest, uh, the earliest story or the most recent story that I was talking about it with my coworker. There was this guy in New York City that was just beating the shit out of somebody, mm-hmm. right in the city. Yeah. And there was uh, the people in a restaurant. So they got everybody in the restaurant to be safe. Mm-hmm. But then they're sitting in the restaurant and they're just watching this guy go to town on this person. Right. And like, you know, my dad and I talk about this all the time. It's like, I'm not that person to sit in the restaurant. No. I've never been that person. No. I will always try to get either to separate or, you know, even even if it's just more. And that's where I just... Like humanity, like really lets me down in that sense that everybody wants to think that humanity has this great, I really get offended when people say, you know, oh, humanity, you know, humans are the caretakers of the world and, you know, just all that type of stuff. And it's like, humans are fucking selfish. They are. And here's the thing. pieces of shit. Newsflash. All animals are selfish. Yeah. Like that cute little dog laying there. Mm Mm-hmm. If you take something away from him that he really, really wants, he gets moody. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If we stop feeding him and we stop giving him dinner mm-hmm. and breakfast and, you know, mm-hmm. just stop giving him treats and he starts losing his his mind. Yeah. He's going to treat us in a whole different way. Correct. There's this arrangement we have with each other yes. where we, he depends on us. We build trust. Yeah. And that gets back to this whole Wendigo story where I I really just loved a lot of the stuff I was reading on the native side, where it's just this, it's this phase that you transition to. And it's mm-hmm. not really getting attacked by like a specific beast, but this beast consuming you. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just tied up. It ties up by itself every single time. It's that invitation that you bring in. Yeah. you to, uh, to, At the end of the day. All of these are cautionary tales about what you invite in. What you invite in. Be careful what you invite in. And not only what you you invite in, but what you deem acceptable to consume you. Yes. That's a really... Yes. I think the Wendigo story kind of just hit me more with this, that it's it's just what you will find permissible to consume you. Mm -hmm. Because I'll be honest with you, if I saw somebody getting the shit kicked out of them, and I sat there and did nothing, that would bother me for the rest of my life. And it would eat me away. If an incident like this is happening Mm -hmm. and someone is getting the shit kicked out of them yeah, and all of the bystanders are standing around doing nothing, Mm -hmm. that that includes just taking a video with your phone. Oh, that drives me nuts. That really drives me nuts. You should be charged. You should be charged as an accessory because you are, yeah. you're not doing anything to help. Well, and that's the thing is I, I don't know where the fine line is. And with I all really that. think people need to be held. You need to be held accountable for your actions. Yeah. And yeah. when you have a chance to act and you don't, you should be held accountable for that as well. I, I would and like I to think, think that, that, you know, if people were held accountable, mm, they might make better choices. I don't know. I think, I mean, we've had, how many years now have we had the, here's your participation trophy, (laughs) and we don't keep score in a game. You've got a whole bunch of people now who have, there's no, there's no consequences. 
They they yeah, don't but have I don't any know. accountability. See, I think it's a deeper thing than that. And it gets back to what we were talking about in the woods earlier in the episode here. Where someone hears a noise and there's one person that's going to run and there's another person that's going to pursue it and check it out. I think it's at that raw edge of it. Mm-hmm. I really think it's that raw that raw. Well, it's running toward danger, trait. and there's running away from danger. That yeah. that gets into. But you see, the thing is, is like even with like a thrill seeker, like people watch a thrill seeker and they'll watch them jump off a cliff and have a parachute in their hand and they like throw it. Now you see, like the casual observer would say that person's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. I would never fucking do that. But what here's what people fail to understand is that person jumping off the cliff 99% of the time knows exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's just their level of acceptable risk is a hell of a lot higher than the person that's sitting on the couch and right. saying that's fucking crazy. Yeah. And I'm one of those people that just has a higher level of acceptable risk. Yeah. I take a lot more chances than most people do. Well, it's like, the difference between your first responders, your, your yeah. firefighters, yeah. your your policemen. Yeah. They are always running into the danger. Yeah. And everyone else is running away. No, exactly. And and they have a level of acceptable risk. Yeah. There are certain things where they're just going to, they know where they need to pay attention a little more. Right. And, yes. and And that's like a, like a Formula One car racer that yeah. races at 200 miles an hour. Yes. They, you know, and they're next to the other cars where the rubber other tires is literally inches away mm-hmm. or half a foot away. And if those tires touch, they're screwed. Right. They're getting in a terrible accident. Mm-hmm. But, but they all know what they're doing and they have this high level of acceptable risk and they can stay cool under that pressure because they are in a threshold that they're comfortable in. Yeah. And that gets, that's where I kind of understand somebody getting beat up. And, and and people watching. What gets me, though, is sometimes how many people watch. Yeah. And even if you had one person that was, say, like a professional boxer or something like that, there's 15 of us. Yeah. Just hop in there. Yeah. Just hog pile them. Yes. I mean, yeah, you're probably going to get a punch. Two people are going to get knocked out. A couple people you know, are going to get hurt. Yeah. But... but but it's this if you save if you save someone from being killed yeah it but this gets back to where people have it's it's the same thing with police investigations where they have the the don't snitch policy of yeah. neighborhoods and things like yeah. that at the end of the day it's just people saying you know what i'm protecting my family i'm protecting myself i'm looking out for me mm-hmm. i hope that works out for that person but i can't take the chance of getting involved in this because mm-hmm. if I get involved, there could be a point where it's not going to work out good for me. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work out good. And that that prevents a lot of good things from happening. Right. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And that's whether somebody gets murdered in the street, beat up in front of you, or just bullied in a school. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a lot what happens with bullying. Somebody would love to speak up, but they risk losing the circle of friendship. Right. And they get bullied too. Right. Or they just. um, They risk being a target. They risk being a target themselves. Nobody wants whatever is happening to to be targeted to that. To happen to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a a real telling tale of what people will do to avoid that focus. Yeah. It's it's pretty telling. And and I really just felt it a lot researching the Wendigo. Mm -hmm. Because that's really. 
like I said, I just love that the story was told from Native Americans and indigenous people that it's not necessarily a monster in the physical sense, but this this pathway to becoming well, a monster I mean, of your their, own. Their point and this is, monster being this idea. Your choices can oh, shape yeah. you into a monster. And turn you into a, so, a monster, yeah. Again, make good choices. <laughs> it's the end already? No. <laughs> I so, mean... But yeah, no, that's that's my spiel with it. And like I said, I, I just love that last story because it really kind of brought up a lot of those things that I wanted to kind of bring up today with that, that I just find revealing of humanity. Yeah. It's just, it's revealing. Yeah. I'm not going to get under whether it's sad or bullshit or whatever. I just, it's revealing. Right. And I think, I think people, we talk about this often. You have this high expectation of people and I don't. I used to. No, I know. I've kind of, I've, I've kind of forced you down a path that you were kicking and screaming for I a mean, while. I mean, yeah, but I'm going to be honest in my job. Yeah. No. I've gotten to the point now where I just, I hate people because it gets yeah, down to get... at the end of the day, I don't want to say a hundred percent of the time, but it's, it's in the high nineties Yeah. left to their own devices People are going to make that bad decision every time. They're going to make a decision that negatively not only impacts themselves mm-hmm. and in an act of self preservation. Preservation. Yeah. Yeah. What they're actually ending up doing is making it worse and making it worse for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, you could have just endured a small amount of discomfort. Yeah. Instead, you have created this horrific circumstance around yourself. Yeah. You went from a bad windstorm to a freaking category five tornado. Yeah. Yeah. The finger of God. (laughs) And you did it to yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. So I'm sorry. I don't feel sorry for you. I'm surprised. Supposed to have empathy because that's what they teach you. Well, no, well, and that's I think, what they used to teach. No, you. I don't I think, think they teach that anymore. I think like the empathy is important in a certain way. Like if somebody just doesn't know better mm-hmm. and somebody just either doesn't have the right tools for a certain situation or something, I, I have a lot of room for empathy on that type of stuff. Now, sympathy, I'm not very high yeah. in. I don't have a whole lot of stock in sympathy. I, I just, I, I don't understand it. But the the empathy end of it, that to me is a little a little different. I you used know? to be much more empathetic. Yeah, yeah. Not so much. Well, anymore. no, and that's the thing is you start getting. I think it's as you start getting older, you get more jaded. Well, yeah, you get a little more jaded about <laughs> yeah. it. You know, I mean, that's that's when I've I was seen too much, man. I've seen too much. Well, I can't go back. <laughs> I mean, how many times did I come home working in cybersecurity where I was just like, I had this great wake up moment and maybe I should have had it earlier in the career. I didn't have really kind of a mentor at that time because my group and uh, a generation or so before me were kind of forging yeah. that out at the time. It's it's not like it is today. But I remember just having this moment where, and I tell new people that are getting into the field, I say, look, do you think it's going to be this glorious job of, you know, defending the company against, you know, 
state sponsored hackers and all this other stuff. Really? You just Every have to day them from themselves. You're protecting the company from its own employees. Yep. That's all you're yeah. doing. And then you just realize and you sit there and you're like, if I wasn't here mm-hmm. and I meaning not me, but the idea of a cybersecurity. Analyst. Right. If cybersecurity if, if wasn't didn't there, exist, if it didn't exist, all the yeah. employees would destroy every single company respectively. Yes. Just destroy them right down yes. to a halt. Yes. And people don't really understand that to a certain degree. That's, that's oh, something yeah. that cybersecurity analysts talk about in circles of their own and IT talks about in circle oh, yeah. of their own. But, it's a hard, but if, if, I've seen it in my company. Oh yeah. If it's you were like, to take seriously, if you were to take that department out, mm-hmm. the company I would project, and I say any company, whether a huge like a massive Walmart or a right. um, yeah. like a regional company or or anything like that, I I would give it less than four weeks. Well, less you than four weeks. Know what I mean, it really just, would help. And a lot of it is just email, clicking emails that exactly. You know, just. But do you want to know what would help? What's that? Dare I ask? Read. Mm. People need to read. No. Not what you it's think not, something says. It's not reading. See, and that's that's where I, I just, I got to interject on that. It's caring. Okay, yeah. Everybody knows how to read deep down. They really do. Mm-hmm. It just, they just got to care. Yeah. And that's, it gets back to the person getting mugged. Right. And the people yep. in the restaurant. I'm going to say it because it's cold and it's heartless because it is. It's cold and it's heartless. They don't care enough to do the level of risk that's required to make that a better situation. And again, that's where I just look at it as, you know, these types of stories really reflect how humanity showcase it don't they no it's it's really (laughs) it just really reflects how humanity is and i hate to be a downer on it i hate to i always want our episodes to be this escape for things but (laughs) but some of them really have this context that i think there are these valuable lessons and and i think you can pull from them ways to be a better person exactly a better husband a better wife a better father a better mother we can be better yeah we can do better you can do better than ed gein's mom it's a very low bar yeah so i mean yeah 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 Yeah. you know you can do better than eat your neighbor (laughs) 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 and on that note what's uh what's next week we have the Banshee. The Banshee. Yes. Again, this is another one that I don't know a whole, you know, like I know what a Banshee is. I oh, know a bit man. of it, but but the whole, I love these things of learning what the whole story came from because then like Wendigo, I just had the idea in my mind that it's this beast, tall, thin, muscular, owl eyes that are just really piercing and and then I start reading the historical relevance of the term, you know, the term. Right. And you start seeing these other angles of, oh, well, this is, this is what they were looking to do. This is, or this is how it, the necessity came of invention, so to speak. And 
that's where I'm excited to read these certain topics and right. things like banshees. Well, you the know. banshee has been a part of my family vocabulary for as long as I can remember. It's because you're all wild like a We're bunch of banshees. We're all screaming banshees. Yeah. Yes. For those who um, don't know my co-host's side of the family, I will just say if you're new, you might need some earmuffs or earplugs. Yeah, yeah. We are a passionate I'm, I'm a custom, and I think it's probably because my ears have deafened down from being a musician. And maybe uh, I'm just at a right decibel level where, you know, I just filter some things out. No, you guys, you guys are a lot of fun. You're a ton we of are. fun. We are. We are a lot, though. Oh, and, yeah, and yeah. And I... I get that. I mean, like I 90 percent of the public isn't ready for you guys. No, yeah, you know, no, they are no, not. No, um, and I know there's people here that know you and the family, and they're all <laughs> nodding their head yep. right now, like, "Yup, yup, that's a yep. fact. That's yeah. true." Yeah, including we your are. own family. <laughs> yep, yep, we are. We're special. Oh, you guys are great. <laughs> you got the biggest hearts. You're you're awesome. So. Banshee next. Correct. And till then, everybody, uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Yes. And uh, we've got uh, another gentle reminder. If you uh, are listening through Apple Podcasts, if you could give us a, a five star rating. Yeah. A, it uh, turns a, out that's the only way to get us more exposure to more people. It doesn't hurt. I the uh, honestly. The one thing that you you all are doing, which we're just extremely grateful for, is just the spreading of word of mouth and yes. just talking yes. to your we friends. We do and, have some new and spread that we we some see new members every week. Welcome. Yep, every week. Uh, you know, we welcome you. Welcome to Mister Toad's Wild Ride. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're here unwillingly, super sorry. Maybe rethink your friend choices. Uh, you know. <laughs> well, and and also, I I I had someone else tell me this as well. That um, every episode's different. Yes. So if there is an episode, if you're new and there is an episode that doesn't, you know, square you, hey, you can leave if it's not your cup of tea. You know, right. we, we get it. We're a, we're a real niche topic. We are. Uh, and we're, we do some niche, you know, niche stuff. But, right. But, uh, but yeah, every single one's different. We have some heavier ones. We have some lighter ones. Right. We try to keep the heavy ones light. As, as much, much as, as possible, but but some of them, you know, we do have to go into the dark stuff because it's dark. However, hey. thanks again for for spreading spreading it out, and we just uh, we'd love it if you if you if you do find somebody that's into this type of stuff, yeah, let them know. And again, whatever your podcast platform is, if you could rate us, even yes. just with the the star ratings, yeah, that's huge. It's it's uh it helps us a lot. A little bit goes a and long way, and especially the Apple Podcast, uh, yeah, uh, channel. You know that that platform. Uh, the the stars definitely help. And if you could give us a five star rating, we'd really appreciate it. it For it those that have given us five star ratings, thank you so much. So greatly appreciate. Yeah, it. we're yeah. just trying to get Apple to recognize we're here. <laughs> Yeah. Guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Apple's got a weird way of how they do things. They do. Uh, everything, you know, it's the Apple way. And and I've heard from a number of other podcasters that I've spoken to 
or communicated with online. Basically, if just they like you, right? They help you. Yeah. It it it's unfortunately that type of thing. It's not a metric based type of system or anything like yeah. that. The only metrics that get involved is if you do get reviews, you kind of float a little right. more to the top. Puts you on their radar. Yeah. But at some point, we are, as we discussed before, we'll be looking into how we're going to monetize the podcast. That's going to be monetize that's going to be at the end of the year. What we're going to do if we're going to monetize it, but. We can definitely assure you, as always, we're not going anywhere. No. We have a lot of topics that we're sure going to love to talk about. If you've got an idea, if there's something you would like us to yeah. look into, or you've heard some sort of weird legend lore story. Yeah, or you just got a favorite topic that you'd yeah. love us to get deeper into it for you so you don't have to. We do actually have a recommendation from or a request more yeah. more so from the podcast group and that will be coming up. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've uh, worked through our it's uh that's our backlog here. Yeah, some of those are coming in the month. So yep. so So till then have a great week. Have a wonderful weekend. And make good choices. Take care guys. <laughs>